God is good. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, uh, the Lord's going to speak to us this morning because it's his word and you're not just hearing from me, but you're obviously hearing from God's word, which is life and truth. And God is on our side. He loves us. God does care about us. He does know us. Um, we are not strangers to him. You may be like me on a journey getting to know the Lord and what he's like uh, through his revealed word and getting, you know, understanding a, a, an overall picture of who he is and what his plan is. His number one plan is to redeem us, to restore us, uh, to take the broken things in our lives and, uh, and to, to make them whole again. That word soterio, salvation, literally in the Greek just means to be made whole to be put back together, to put in God's original purpose. And this is good news. You know, I, I'm, I'm not against the word religion, but I'm against the concept of it in that we're, we're, we're constantly trying to get better rather than relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. And God really wants us to be reliant on Him. It doesn't mean we're lazy. It doesn't mean you sit back and say, I'm not doing anything. But you're just not relying on your power. You're relying on the power that God has and the redemption that he has. You know, I was praying with someone first service, and um, after first service, talking about forgiveness, and it was, it's hard for us sometimes to accept the forgiveness when we look at all of our deeds. We go, gosh, you know, and it, you either, if you don't feel like you can be forgiven, usually what you do is you just hide your sin. You just go, I'm just going to let not anyone know about it. And that's why everybody comes to church like this. Hi. How you doing? Great. You know, and you, and, you, and you know you might have blown it last night or you blew it yesterday. Or, and it may not be gross sin, you know, something that the world would say is really terrible. But you know in your own heart it could have been pride or just you're suffering through discouragement right now. It's hard to overcome. And, and those times are, they happen in our human hearts and our human souls. And the Lord wants to redeem even that, even the little things that seem like little things. Make us more like his son. Well, Father, I, I just come before you, Lord. I thank you that we can come in the name of Jesus. Lord, that because our sins are paid for, not only did you die, but you raised to life, that our sins are covered. And if you're like me out there, can you just put your trust in Christ right now? Lord, thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you that you see our whole life, not just moments. We're not just forgiven for the moments but we're forgiven for our whole lives. And Lord, I know that that good news sounds too good, but it's not. It's the truth. That we're saved by grace through faith, and this is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. And I, I thank you for that good news. And I pray, Lord, as I go through Nehemiah uh, today, that you would give it the life that it deserves. Lord, and I thank you for Nehemiah and who he was and what he represented. And Lord, I don't want to be Nehemiah, and no one else here should want to be Nehemiah. We want to be ourselves. Help us to become and accept the calling that you've given us to be. That's like no one else. Show us how to embrace it, discover it, Lord, and to trust you to fulfill it. And as I talk about leadership, I know what the world expects in leadership and its methods, and they're not all wrong. But Lord, I, I want to see what you have to say about it. And so draw us to that truth in Jesus' name. If you agree, can you say amen? Amen. amen. 
for those of you who are just joining us, I'll get you caught up just a little bit. We're in Nehemiah chapter 7, and we're going to go probably through the first four or five verses there. Um, Nehemiah has been rebuilding the wall. Jerusalem was uh, restored, the temple itself, but the walls were scattered in, the, in rubble most of the time. Babylon has been in power for a long time, and then the Persians came in with King Cyrus, one of the first leaders of the great empire of Persia, and took it down, took Babylon down. I'll talk about that a little bit today. It's pertinent to some of the things that I'm going to mention. And what happens is then, uh, as the Persians come in, the Israelites have been taken captive, and they're basically have become a slave class. And we find Nehemiah, you know, in the palace, basically in Susa, where he's the cupbearer to the king, and he has to get favor from the king to somehow, you know, present to him a, uh, a message that says, would you please help us restore our homeland? An impossible task because he knows that while the city, the temple that's been built, the walls have not been rebuilt. And so the, the temple and all the things that were sacred, the houses and the residents were all vulnerable to attack. And mockery at the same time. Like, who are these people? You know, and, and the Israelites have been mocked throughout the centuries. You know, they, when they were in I- Egypt, they were the slave class. And how many know that God looks at people equally? He's not a respecter of persons in that way. doesn't matter if you're male or female, your age. God has a call in your life. He made you for a purpose, and he wants to fulfill it. And I, I, I believe, I don't know if you believe this or not, but I believe God is capable of that. Think about it. I think religion puts such an effort on man that he can foil God's plans. Trust me, God is very capable of overcoming your sin and your death. In fact, he already did it. Do I hear amen? Amen. And so when, when, now that the wall, we go through one, chapters 1 through 6, and we see Sanballat and Tobiah, all the naysayers that we have in our lives that say it can't be done, and you nearly look ridiculous trying to rebuild this wall. There's no way you're going to get it done in time. This, you know, God's not looking out for you. There is no God. He's on your side. You're on your own. You look pathetic. And little by little, that wall's building up. And it's not the Pink Floyd kind of wall, you know? <laughs> Another brick in the wall, and the guy isolating himself. This place has been devoted, so God put this wall there together so that inside there would be the freedom to worship. Do you understand that that is a parallel to us being the temple of the Lord? We don't have the, temp, the outside temple over there. You know, when Jesus Christ was crucified, it says that temple inside was torn in half giving us the veil torn in half, giving us access to the throne of God, to the very presence of God, the most holy place. And now that that, we have access to that, think of our temple, and just say, we say, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, say it, dwells in me, the most holy place in here. This is where, and how, you know your own life, Are you that perfectly holy? How many got some holes in your holiness? Come on. (laughs) You know why you are holy? Because of the work that Christ has done. He's removed your unholiness positionally before God. So it doesn't mean that God sees your brokenness and goes, hey, that's really cool. No, 
in Christ, he says, you're sanctified, you're totally free. Now let me clean you up on the inside out. That's why religion never works. It always works on the outside. More rules, more regulation, more outside rather than in the heart. God changes us in the heart. And now what we're going to see is we're going to see this temple. This wall is already built all the way across, and they're going to put the last things in. They're going to put the doors, the big gates that they're going to cover. And once the gates go in all the way, he's going to put in guard posts, and then he's going to start assigning leaders. He's going to start looking for leaders. And this is where we find ourselves in the sequence in chapter 7. And, and, and I, I put here leadership, Nehemiah leadership, and I put down a three things there that I see in this scripture, the very first things that Nehemiah looks for, the very first thing he starts assigning. And, and I, I quickly did, I quickly did just a Google study of attributes of leadership, what the world looks at. And they're, like I said, they're not wrong. But, I, you know, Covey, Barna, you know, all these different kinds of leader, leadership gurus. And they talk about communication is important, confidence, commitment. Are they able to delegate? You know, do they have a positive attitude? You know, are they willing? And then they just give a whole list of stuff. And I thought, uh-huh, those are good. All those are good. I think, what does the Lord look at? Like, what's important to him? Like, like what does he build on? And, and if you guys are parents, a lot of times we want to empower our kids. Let's give them more. I want to give them, because we have a heart for our kids. We want them to do well. But this might be a, a good deterrent for your par- parents, a funnel, if you will, to decide how much freedom you give your kids based on some of these things that you'll find today. And hopefully this will help you give it some context. I'll give you the three first of all, so you know exactly what I'm going. The first one there is discover loyalty. He's going to look for loyal places. Where is people's heart? Where is your heart at? Is your heart loyal to the cause? And then can you identify the people that you have? Can you know who they are and what the right places that they ought to be, which is the third one? Can you appoint them according to the giftings? And then identifying the people, I'm going to go into a little more detail. How do you identify the right people? Okay, so let's start off with number one. And Lord, I pray that you open up the scriptures right now. And Lord, let it not just be me preaching. Lord, let this word, Lord, let it be rhema. Let it be life. Speak to us. And Lord, you know everyone's situation. Everyone comes from a different background and different things they need to hear from you. And there's no way I can carefully cover that. So I pray, Lord, that you would do those things supernaturally. In Jesus' name. Okay, let's start with number one. I'm going to start backwards to that list, is appoint the giftings. Here we are. The wall has been put up, okay? And look what he says. After the wall had been rebuilt, and I had set the doors in place. So it's for the final thing. We're safe in here. And now, understand, why did they put the walls up? To protect the people. What, to protect the people for what reason? so that they could worship the Lord, so that they could worship the Lord in his temple freely. This is why the Lord puts walls. He puts discernment. He makes us gatekeepers of those things that want to infiltrate our soul so that we'd have the freedom to worship. Christ's work removes all the power that the enemy has. We're going to talk about that a little bit in in just a little while. The gatekeepers, look what he does. Now, I was thinking of all the possible things that he could possibly do to assign for his first group. He could have said, 
let's, let's get the wall, let's get the catapult guys so that they can throw, you know, Lord of the Rings, we've got to throw the big stones out there against our enemies, you know, let's get some sword makers making swords, and here he, here's what he focuses on, and it's so interesting to me. He says, the gatekeepers, say it with me, gatekeepers, can you say musicians, can you say what? Why on earth would you assign musicians? Seriously. All right, we're going to war. Sambalot, all the Philistine army. There's their Aramaic army. They're coming. Let's, let's make sure we got them covered. Okay, you guys ready to go? Yes. Who do we get? Get the musicians. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what's that going to do? You know what I mean? And, and what's ironic is that you know that when they went to war, the musicians would go first. Now, I, I think I, I sort of have in my mind sort of the Revolutionary War, you know, because we make movies about it, and you kind of hear, you know, you kind of hit that, you know, snare drum roll, kind of like we're going to march and go. But do you understand, their musicians that they had, they had harps and lyres and tambourines, all kinds of stuff that they would move in forward. I like our, I like our music better now, don't you? I mean, we go to war. Man, I want some of the drummers we got back there going... Bam, bam, bam. The enemy's like, all right, what's going on here? You know, then the guitar, electric guitars come out there. <laughs> right? I don't know what the spiritual world is doing, but I think music has a resonance, don't you? You know, if you go into the piano and just sing into the piano, go, hey, it'll echo. The wood will echo. It's got an effect. There is a spiritual effect to music. Sing to the Lord and make music in your heart. God puts songs in our soul that he wants to express. I believe we have songs for our life. I find that in scripture where you see Moses singing the song of deliverance when the Egyptians were set free. Think about this. You know, when, when Moses comes down the mountain and God gives him the command, he says to him, he says, go set the Israelites free. Why? So you can bring them back to the mountain so they can worship me. Why are we building the wall? So we can set it up so that the people can be free and safe so that they can worship me. And you might think, oh, who is this egotistical God? You know, just come on. I need the worship. Do you understand that the holiness of God and the purity and the example of God is so amazing that to know him is to worship him? To be in his presence isn't a demand to worship. It's it's an internal, natural response to worship him because of his greatness. We don't sing songs, oh, mighty is the God, he's the mighty Lord. No, it's you see God and you go, mighty Awesome God. It's like, oh, freedom. You know, this is the God who brings everything, all, everything that emanates from him. We are built to be with him. And, and it's not a religious thing. That's why it's not a religious thing of coming in here and doing our duty. It's a freedom that says the Lord saying, come to me. You see it all through the Old Testament. And no longer do we have one prophet who has the Spirit of God and we all watch him do great things. Now the Spirit of the Lord, according to Joel and the book of Acts, has been poured out on all the people. Say it. Say, I have the Holy Spirit. Turn to someone and say, I have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the living God.
his very soul. Listen, after the wall's rebuilt, what are we going to do next? We're going to decorate, build armor, you know, start getting more arrows together? No. I want the gatekeepers. I want to cover the gate. I want the musicians. I want the Levites. I want the priests. The priests, I want them to know the ways of how God is, what his principles are, what he's like, what his character's like. What, what, you know, what, how does God respond? You know, one, one of my favorite classes I ever went to as a young Christian was a parenting class. And why? Because I realized as he was teaching me how to parent, he was showing me how he was parenting me. It gave me revelation. Listen, let's take this first one here. Gatekeepers, guarding the gate. Guarding the gate. Guarding the gate. You, you may not know this, but the Babylonian, their wall that protected them before the Persians came in was six, take each chariot that they had. It was six chariots thick. That is impenetrable. You get archers up there, there's no way you're getting in. And they had gates that they would lock at certain times. But over a period of time, the Babylonians lost focus. They just like, man... You're going to watch the gate? I don't know, man. There's a party down on, you know, Babylonia Street. You know, we're going down there. Right? I'm not condemning, you know, to having a good time. I'm just saying they got distracted. The scriptures are so full of this. Be sober. Be diligent. Keep watch. Guard over your heart. What is, is your heart going to bitterness? Is your heart going in, in a direction it shouldn't go? And, and this is, the, the Persians literally walked into the Babylonian areas and just took them over. They fought, they were so, it wasn't this big battle scene just in the center of, of the field that you'd picture. They walked in, they didn't need a Trojan horse, they just walked right in because gates weren't closed. And I, and I wonder if the Lord is redeeming our lives and, and we are the temple and he puts in us this light. Thanks for that light. Eric said there was light, and there was light. <laughs> Not. You know, just, just think about this. If God has spared us and redeemed us, and then put his spirit in us, don't you think it's good for us to be gatekeepers? To, to guard? No, I'm not talking about building websites where you start to criticize everybody. Right? And I'm not saying that no one's called to ever bring good doctrinal correction. I'm just saying that I don't believe that that's the call of the watchman. I think the watchman watches as things go by. And there are two different kinds of gatekeepers. Some are, I got to hold you out and keep you out. And some are people that wait on the wall looking for the ones that are lost to say, come in. You're looking for something. And and I think the gate with the key, you know, they, they, they would leave it. It would be open during the day and they'd have guards there, local guards from the residents, like a militia, local militia. And they would post them there. And then at night, then they'd close the door and, and keep guard over it. And you, you look at that of this guarding and you think, okay, they had the keys to open up. And what are the New Testament analogies of opening the door and closing the door to this kingdom mentality? And it comes right to Jesus. I give you the keys of the kingdom. If these gates, if you open something and let it in, and whatever you let open in, in earth, in an earthly, material way, it, there's a mirror spiritually of what's happening. 
What, what is loosed in, in heaven will be loosed on earth. What is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. The, you, do you understand that the Lord gives you the keys of this kingdom? That is responsibility, my friends. This is, this is the stewardship. Do you understand that God is raising you up and giving you more confidence? He's given his confidence about you more than we deserve at any moment. And then he rises up, up, up to it. This gatekeeper must decide what will come in and what will come out. This is the first assignment. Because no matter how many walls you build, and no matter how incredible it is inside, if you don't know how to operate it, if you don't protect it, you can't use it. And God has set this apart so his people can be free and safe and worship. Turn to someone and say, guard the gate. Guard the gate. And the second one here, musicians leading the worship. I love, I love this. You know, I, I put there, musicians, number one, create the atmosphere and vibe. By the way, there's no Hebrew word for vibe. That is an Eric translation. Okay. <laughs> There's an atmosphere that the musician creates that says, we are singers devoted to God. Right? There's so many things you can sing about. And I love all the shows, you know, American Idol and all, all these different shows that are out there. The Voice, you know. It's kind of like you see these people sing and you hear their stories and you, you know, I, my, my wife and kids watch it more than I watch it, but, but I, I, I still appreciate it. But there's nothing like having songs devoted to God themselves. That these people, that God recognizes the musician. Isn't that crazy? That God's going, okay, I'm going to build something. What do I build? All right, give me the musicians. You're going, musicians, Lord, they're never on time to anything. Right? You know, the old joke is, you know, what's the definition of an optimist? A bass player with a pager. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's thinking he's going to get a job. Right? And, and, and here God thinks it's such an important thing. You know why? Because worship is always at the center of what God is about. Worship is important. You, go, why, what did you come to church for? What were they doing there? Oh, they were singing these songs. No, we weren't. Yes, we were, but no, we weren't. We were singing songs, not to entertain you, because we wanted to invite you to join us as we sang to God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Is this true? Okay, this, this is so important. And they inspire us with their skills. It's a devotion. We've given ourselves. I, I meet so many musicians who've devoted themselves to the art of worship. They're always testing their hearts. I talk to the worship leaders and worship people all the time. That when, it, when you hear them talk, they're always talking about the, the sin they're trying to get rid of in their life. The thing, they're always trying to purify themselves. You know they're musicians under the Lord. Because if you don't have that heart, you're just going, eh, I'm a musician, whatever. Trust me, that's not a worshiper. You know, you don't care about those things. God, gatekeepers. Artillery, not yet. Let's get the musicians. Let's get to worshipers. And you might think, I'm not a musician. Yes, you are. Jody and I, we, we, we had, when she led me to the Lord, and she was really good friends with this gal named Sylvia, who was in her 90s, an older woman. And she had a ministry to the prison. 
And she would give them Gospels of John and get these packets, and then she'd sit and talk to prisoners all day long on the phone. And she was a really good singer. And, of course, that's what she said. (laughs) I'm just teasing. But she couldn't sing anymore. She lost her voice. And so all she could do was whistle. And you'd hear, we'd be in the worship service, and hallelujah, and you hear in the back room, And it's like, I love when people are given at their last bit. We had an older woman who was in her 90s as well who broke her back, and we were at the hospital visiting her. And a person given their last bit, and, and we go, hey, how you doing? You know, like we were just wondering, are you, are you feeling okay? And she goes, oh, come here. I go, what? And I go, she goes, I'm praying for this girl over here. God's trying to get a hold of her. Like, I felt guilty about everything I'd ever complained about in my whole life, right? I was going, you whining loser. That's how I left there. And I go, how's your back? She's going, oh, God's got it. It's just broken. It's kind of like, I'm going to die soon anyway. What difference does it make? I got this opportunity. And she's real close. She's struggling with her attitude about being in here. And I go, gosh, I'm mad when my remote control's battery is running low. What the heck is wrong with this thing? (laughs) How many know how petty we can be? Listen, we are created as musicians. We are, and God knew their giftings. Trust me, there were some that were set apart. But heaven will be a place that will worship. And not just clouds with harps. You know, those cartoon pictures will be in the, in the presence of God. And then the last one here is Levites. <sighs> Levites instruct in God's ways. I, 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 every time you study something as a pastor or a teacher or a leader, you always get into the subject a little bit more. And, and I was surprised how much the Levites instructed the children in this last study that I did. I didn't notice it before. But I thought, Wow. They, 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 the priests were, it's, it's, when you think of priests, you kind of think, oh, but don't think about that. Think about the priests. That's movies. Throw the movies out. Okay? Movies aren't real. They're, they're actors pretending to have courage, but they just go back to their trailer and smoke. I'm totally kidding, but that was funny. (laughs) I love when actors act like they're courageous. Let's go to the actual courageous people and watch them. Amen? But but this is the the Levites would instruct in the ways of the Lord. And they would they would inspire them, they'd show them what the laws were, and then they'd inspire them. Now, as much as we look at the scripture. And we go, wow, look at the way, wait, look how Nehemiah sparked them. Let's imitate them. Be really careful. Because what you're going to find is that after this whole episode goes, for the next 450 years, they go downhill. Because without Christ, there is no power and there is no hope. And it doesn't come until Rome conquers, right? Greece comes in, conquers Persia, then Rome, Greece. And then they have the census in Bethlehem. And Jesus goes back to Bethlehem and that prophecy is fulfilled and he comes to redeem the people. Our hope is never in ourselves. It's always in the Lord. Amen?
Okay, no, number, so that number one there um, is appoint the giftings. Number two is you need to identify the people. Who are, what are the people like? And I want you to see this criteria because he picks out two key leaders right at the beginning. He says, all right, you guys are going to be a cornerstone. First one he picks is, is his brother, and it's not just nepotism. The, the first, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 2, you'll see that his, his brother, Hanani, there, he, he discovers this Jerusalem is torn down, and he's the one who reports it to Nehemiah. So he's already been active in the field. He's already shown that he's a faithful brother in this, that he isn't just looking out for himself. And you know the difference with people who are just looking out for themselves and people who care about others. And if you're the first one, just grow, grow in the Lord. Don't stay there. He says, I put in charge of Jerusalem. That's a big thing. My brother, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel. He's the guy running the fort. I'm going to put his two guys in charge. And then here he just gives it. Say, say this with me. Say, because. Because. And here, just a simple scripture. Just, just a simple little thing. It's the first appointing of leaders. It's the first appointing of the people. Look what he looks at. Because he was a man of integrity. And, and you probably think to yourself, oh, integrity is a perfect guy. Never sins. That isn't it. Job offered sacrifices on a regular basis. David was considered a man of integrity. Listen, it's authenticity. It's, it's are you genuine? Do you go to God and other people and go, man, I've got everything together, you know? It's okay. Like you dress on the outside to make people think what you are on the inside. I'm not saying just let sin reign. I'm saying be honest about what you're going through, what your weaknesses are, and trust that you have weaknesses that you can't fix and that you may not even see. And then ask the Lord to help you through that. A man of integrity. And he feared God. Look at that. Say it with me. Say fear. fear. He had a fear of God. And, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But he says, more than most. I love that line. He feared God how? More than most of the other people did. You know, how hard do we do the bar? Here's everyone else's fear. More. He's the leader. Put him in charge. It's like feared God. He, he respected God's ways. He was transparent about his life. He was the same way five minutes before he you know, went and talked to the, his men and ordered them around as he was when he was talking to them. He was the same person. He was a person of integrity. Listen, listen, listen to the Lord talking to David. If, as for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness as David your father did. How many know of David's life? This is David when he's just dead. And he's now talking to his son. David had some issues, didn't he? But what he didn't do, when he, he, when he had problems... You read the Psalms. He was writing the Psalms. Oh, God created me a clean heart. You know, restore a new spirit in me, right? These are the Psalms that, came, that come out of your soul. Integrity of heart. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. It's like, you know, you have to, you know, back in my cocaine dealing days, I remember, you know, being afraid of cops and being afraid of this and being afraid of that because, you know, I had to present something to my family and I, had to, I was constantly a fake and a liar. 
it's great not to have to play games. Amen? You don't have to walk in church here and tell us how perfect you are. Just be yourself. Don't revel in your sin. If you struggle, just go, hey, this is where I've been struggling. Get prayer. Right? It says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us your sins. Because the rest of this chapter that I'm not covering today, I will next week, you're going to get a whole list of repentance. These guys are going to be repenting for six hours. And I heard some guy preach on this one time, and he was going, this is what we need to do. And I was thinking, are you kidding me? This is the one grand repentance that the people of Israel did after 40 years of rebellion. I'm not doing that every day. How many say amen? amen? And But you might need, if you've been stuck for a while, you might need a six-hour session with God. Hopefully you can, after that, you need a 15-minute checkup, right? <laughs> Jesus washes the feet, but you just need a little bathing. God bathes you all, now you just need a little cleaning. All right. And let her be someone who fears God. I'm going to go through this kind of quick. Most people know the scripture, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Bible uses fear over 300 times in reference to fearing God. That means it should not be ignored. But we need a right perspective of the fear. There is a fear that a person who does not respect God does not trust God. And maybe they don't even know what the gospel is yet. And I'm not going to condemn them. But they have a fear that's different than the fear that I have as a follower of God. And he says, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 1427, the proverb says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It's like Ponce de Leon. You know, it's a fountain. Oh, I want to, I want to get new, get life. Let's go find this fountain. Now, nah, you don't want that because you're just going to, you're going to just be an idiot longer. You know, you don't want that. He says, turning a person from the snares of death. 22.4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Humility, again, there's that transparency. It's the integrity. It's the honesty. It's the being who you are in private like you are in public. And he says here, its wages are riches and honor and life. And you might think, oh, yeah, I'm riches, I got money. Trust me, the humility person won't be like that. The person that will get that money and go, wow, Lord, I get to be a steward of your wealth. And let me use it for your kingdom and your purposes. And here's the fear of God for the unbeliever, for the self-sufficient. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. That's just the truth. Why? Because you don't know what the goodness of God is. You don't understand that you've been totally forgiven and redeemed. So you're living in the fear of judgment. You're living in the fear of God's judgment and eternal death. Eternal separation from God by your decisions rather than trusting in Christ. Even your hope in religion is futile. Do you think your works are ever going to amount to enough that all of a sudden God looks at you and he goes, ah, Now you're perfect. Anyone even close to that? No, I just, I want to know because I want to follow you with a video camera for just a couple hours. (laughs) And I want to antagonize you and see how Christ-like you respond. Like Christ turning the other cheek and being crucified. Eh, I don't know if I can do it. All right. And And again, here's another one. This one's such an important one. He says, this is him talking to his disciples, but there's other non-believers hearing it. And he says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, right? Because there's one who can destroy body 
and soul. Suke. We get the word psychology, the, the inside of yourself. That's soul. Don't be afraid of the one who can kill the body and can't do anymore. I'll show you whom you should fear. Say it with me. Say, fear him. Fear him. And, and you might think that what I'm preaching here is I just want you to walk around cowering in the fear of the Lord. That's not it. And you're going to see him reconcile this scripture because you're, you're basically marrying, you know, something that seems dichotomous. He says, after your, fear him who after your body is killed has authority to throw you in hell. He has the power. How does Christ have the power? Because he is the only redemption. If you're in him, if your faith's in him, you are in him. Imagine, put yourself inside of him. You are in him, and he is holy, and he is obedient, and you are, can say it with me, say, I'm in him. I'm in him. I'm in Christ. That's why we get words like Christian. They're not little bantered, bantered about religious words. They mean that you are in Christ. That you identify not your identity anymore. I'm no longer Eric that somehow is going to be good enough for God. I've given up on that hope. My hope is in Christ alone. And through that, he's redeemed my heart, my soul, my attitude, my actions, my emotions, my future, everything. God works on the inside. Listen to what he says. So he's saying fear him. If you fear someone who has authority, who's against you, that is awful. You know, fear him who's going to probably do this. He wants to throw you in hell. That's not what he's saying. Watch how he finishes this. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? But he says, fear him. He's the one you should fear. Don't fear everything else. Fear him. Because remember, Nehemiah is going, what kind of man do we want? We want one who's authentic and integrous. What else do we want? We want a guy who has their fear of God. He respects God's ways. And look at this. He says, he goes, you want to know? You got to fear God. He goes, you know the sparrows? You see them? They're, they're sold for two cents. Not one of them is forgotten by God. God knows them all. And he says, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He goes, you don't think I have intimate knowledge of who you are? I do. And look what he says. Don't be afraid. Put your fear in me not anywhere else. And don't be afraid because I got you. I value you. I put worth on you. You're worth way more than many sparrows. I'm not saying sparrows aren't worth something. He just said they were. He just says, the humans are the only one that I made in the image of God. They're the only ones with the same implant of imagination that we have, the creativity that we have, the understanding of what creation might be, the flexibility of freedom that is unmatched. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. I mentioned this already. But it turns a person from the snares of death. And look what 1 John says. There is no fear in love. Say it with me. Say no fear. There is no fear. How much fear is in love? None. How much? None. Now, are you sure? Yes. Do, you think, do you think the Apostle John understood his doctrine? Because he's saying a radical statement. 
He, he started this whole book, this first John, with if you confess your sin. He's not saying a formal confession. Did you go in and talk to your pastor? Oh, pastor, I need to tell you what my sin is. That's how we religiousize this. We turn this into some kind of religion. What he's saying is, do you just admit you are a sinner? Do you admit the things that you're doing that are falling short? Are you able to talk about them? Are you able to make a confession that says, no, I'm, you're not going, oh, I'm fine, everything's fine, everything's great, how you doing, hallelujah, praise God. You're just going, how you doing? Huh, good. I'm still struggling with some stuff, though. Definitely. need prayer, man. Hey, can you hold me accountable to this? Or, hey, can we, someone is on your side. This is the same one who says this. There is no fear in love. Look what he says. But perfect love. When love, when you understand the love, God demonstrates his love in this. While you were yet sinners, while you were still sinning, in your act of sinning, in your life of sinning, Christ died then. That's when love activated at our worst moment. I'm not angry, but I am passionate. Perfect love drives out the fear because when you understand that your sin has been paid for, there is a peace that goes for you. Since I've been justified by faith, I have peace with God through whom I've gained access into this grace in which I now stand. Why? Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. This man, this commander, feared God and respected his mercy. He respected the redemption that was to come. And you might wonder, well, what, how could they have faith in Christ? Christ hadn't come. Listen, we look back to the time of Christ. Oh, the Messiah. Remember when he came? Let's have Easter. Let's have all these holidays. But they looked forward to that day. The scriptures, the laws, the t- prophets, they testify, Jesus says, about me. I'm going to go right here to this one. The church enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. They were living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. I, I, if you read Ecclesiastes, how many have read Ecclesiastes before? You know, when it all sums up, you know, the guy, he's going, it's, the, it's basically King Solomon. He's going, man, what's all this worth? Why are we doing all this? You know, he's going, I'm going to have all the sex I want. And then he went all the way crazy with it. And he goes, you know, I'm going to get as wasted as I want. And he went down that road. He goes, I'm going to buy everything I need. Servants, whatever I want, I bought it. And he goes, I just realized it doesn't do anything. It's a chasing after the wind. You can't catch the wind. Well, that Holy Spirit is that wind. You don't know where it's going. It goes wherever it pleases. But he says that when he summarizes it all up, you know what he says? He says, you know what I realized? It's only one thing that matters. Respect God, fear God, and do what he says. Build a relationship with God. You know, when you have kids, you know your kids, hopefully you, you can talk with them, no matter what kind of a struggle it is, you can, you can talk with them. And, and if, they, if you give them life-giving advice, that they would just do what you said. Listen, trust me, I'm on your side. That's how God is. And that's where we get with this Scripture, and then I'll make my last point. 
Can everyone say amen? amen? How many are getting something from the Lord this morning? Come on. Hopefully the scripture is coming to life for you. Uh, I repeat this. Identify the people. That's number two. Okay? Because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. Let's make him the leader. Let's put him in charge. Are your kids growing in this? Are they growing in transparency? Are you giving them opportunity? Are you controlling them? Are you giving them opportunity to make mistakes? Not just letting them get away with it because you're too tired and want to watch TV. I'm, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about that. Are you letting them make mistakes? And are you teaching them not to fear you? I'm the dad. Are you teaching them that you have a fear of the Lord and they should go likewise? That it's worthy to follow? And then the third one, which is I think God's biggest thing, and I'll close with this, is discern the loyalty. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened till the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards. Some at their posts and some near their houses. There's only one country really that does it this way, and that's Switzerland. They do a militia army. What's interesting about it is, is that when you have people who own something, and they belong to it, like, I belong to the kingdom, they're much more willing to defend what that is. It's just like, you know, you, you go work at a big company, and they'll offer you stocks, stocks, shares of stock, you know, to get you ownership. But you know, sometimes that stock is so small and pathetic, you go, I don't have any ownership here, right? This is just a gesture to help make someone else rich. God makes you a full partaker, and he's not ashamed to call you brother or sister, according to Hebrews. He says, I share. I share in the suffering for them. I share in the payment, and I'll pay fully. I know who they are. I've redeemed them. Let them come with me. The glory that I've got from the Father from the beginning, let you also be a partaker. God shows you the glory, and he reveals his glory, according to Romans 8. This is great. God wants us to be near him. Loyalty is an important thing to God. It really is. Nehemiah. Listen, I hope you're getting some good stuff from this book. The Bible is not just an empty book like you might think it is. There is a lot of great stuff in the Word. I want to just give you a chance to respond, and I apologize to the kids' teachers um, for taking as long as I did. I'm not the greatest time manager in the world. I'm the second best time manager in the world. Not the best. I'm just kidding. Just, Just close your eyes and... And res- would you respond not to me? I will not look. This is not between. This is not a church thing that we're going to count or anything like that. This is just between you and God. But I want you to respond. The first one is if I want you just to say, "I need to grow in this by either doing it or as a leader, helping promote this in my organization or my family or in my church." Loyalty. Are you a person who's loyal? Do you have a loyal spirit, loyal heart to people? You're not perfect, but it's loyalty. Your friendship remains. Are you there? Can you be counted on? If that's you, just raise your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, I need to grow in that. Just no one look around. Just you, the Lord. You need to acknowledge it. Just say, Lord, I need to grow in my loyalty. That's not, I'm, not, I'm not where I need to be. The second one is identifying the people. Do you see the people around you? Do you know what, they're, what they are? Do you see the musicians around you? Do you see the one that are called to govern and lead and serve? Do you recognize people? Do you know who you are? 
which is also the third one. I'm going to put those last two together. Do you know what your gifts are? What your talents are? Are you starting to apply them? Are you investing in them? Don't be afraid. Don't worry about yesterday. It's gone. Yesterday's gone. Let the Lord birth something new today. If that's you, we just raise your hand and say, Lord, I need you to birth something new in that. My giftings, Lord. Show me what they are. Show me. I want to run full throttle, Lord. I want to walk in the power of my giftings. Some of you, you're just barely tapping into it and you're already discouraged. Don't be. You have the power of God in you. You might not think you have influence, but you do. You represent the king, and he made you. He fashioned your spirit, your inmost being. And so, Father, we turn to you. And I thank you for your redemption, your power, your life. And I thank you for the people. Lord, just as a fellow pastor, I speak blessing to the people. May the face of the Lord shine upon you. May his grace be upon you. Can you just in your heart just welcome him in? Say, Lord, work in my soul. Work in my heart. If you need forgiveness right now, just say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me. You paid for my sin. Don't carry it into tomorrow. Accept the forgiveness right now. Be forgiven this moment. And say, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for your power. In Jesus' name. If you agree, can you say amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.